Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Hallelujah. In your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians. I believe we're in chapter chapter 2. I think it's chapter 2. I got it marked here. How many love the Word of God? It's the good seed, incorruptible, undestructible. God desires it to be planted in your spirit, to your heart, for it to produce in your life. You need to read the Bible every day. The Bible says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Acts, excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now, last week we kind of did a little something for Valentine's Day, so we're back into the flow of what we've been doing on Wednesday nights. Studying the mercy and the compassion of God. Now, we know, according to Acts chapter 10, verse 38, Jesus' visit upon this earth, which was which was God manifest in the flesh, the Word of God in manifestation. According to Hebrews chapter 1, excuse me, Hebrews, yeah, Hebrews chapter 1, that was lit, a literal manifestation of the character of God. Jesus was a manifestation, and His earth walk was a manifestation of the character of God. Acts 10.38 says He went about doing good, everybody say doing good, and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with Him. Now, we saw things in His ministry. Israel had evolved, its, its nation had evolved in its spirituality into dead religion. The Levitical uh, laws did not mean anything more to the, to, the, uh, 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 to the Sanhedrin priests than a way of controlling the people and controlling the money. That's basically what it was. In Jesus' day, which the law demanded that every person that was part of the Sanhedrin or part of the, uh, uh, of the priesthood had to be a Levite, had to be born in the, in the tribe of Levi. You didn't, back then, uh, in Jesus' day, you could go buy a position. You could be from any tribe in, in Israel, and you could go just say, well, here's the money. I want to be a priest, and they'd let you be a priest. So it was corrupt, and its corruptness was shown in Jesus' day, in Jesus' ministry, by, by its continual resistance to what he was saying and doing. They did not like what Jesus said. They did not like what Jesus did, which, which will kind of cause a light to go off above your head, you know, like, duh, today. Religion does not like what Jesus does and does not like what Jesus says. They never will. They never will. But thank God what Jesus showed us in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John was a God of mercy, a God of compassion, and He showed us that our faith needed to be in His power. Now what produces His power is His Word. Faith comes by the Word, by hearing the Word of God. So our faith in the Word of God produces the power of God in our lives or the power of God in our church, power of God in our services, the power of God in what we do. There's nothing worse than being part of something that's powerless. Amen? I mean, you take the power away from your car, uh, you, you get, it's, it's, it's ready for the junkyard. You got your dishwasher at home and, and the power doesn't work anymore, then you might as well throw it in the junkyard. If there's no power, there's no life. 
And so many churches and so many Christians today are lifeless today because they've been disconnected from the power source. But the problem with that, when you're disconnected from the power source, you're disconnected from the mercy source and you're disconnected from the compassion source. God desires to impart and to minister mercy and compassion to all of His children in the earth today so that His children can take that mercy and compassion and minister to the world. Amen? Listen, church, the world doesn't need religion. They know that better than we do. In, in listening today, some of the commentaries that were made, Dr. Billy Graham went to be with the Lord Jesus, 99 years old. What a homecoming he must have had. I mean, just the, just the crowd of people that got saved on his ministry meeting in there was probably enormous. Amen. But in one commentary that I was listening to, it was talking about the last comments he ever made. And it showed the comments that he made. And what he said was this. The United States is in dire need of a spiritual awakening. And he said this. He said, the most amazing phenomena today is that, and I think this, this, this actual interview was last year sometime, 2017. He says, as I make this video today, church attendance in America is down 65% of that what it was just in the year 2000. 65. That means 65 out of every 100 people that used to go to church in the year 2000 do not go to church today. People don't realize what a vital part of their spirituality church is. Because it's in the church where you get taught the Word of God. It's in the church where there are demonstrations of the Spirit, which are demonstrations of power, life, life, and love. Also in the church, you begin to understand your calling and destiny in the body of Christ. And our prayer here at Island Church, more and more, is we're fighting against. We've been doing it for years. Fighting against, binding, crying out against, and crying out to God to release a spirit into this church which breaks the apathy and complacency of the individual so that they'll get on fire in their heart if for nothing else than to be in the house of God. Amen. 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 When I was a kid, I didn't understand it. We were in church every service. Sick or well, rain or shine. You know, didn't matter if it got foggy. <laughs> we went to church. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. Week after week. Now, when, when special speakers came, Brother Hagen used to come for two weeks at a time, two services a day. I was in every service. Every service. He did it year after year after year after year after year. We had all kinds of people that would come, all kinds of people that would preach. Listen, I did not realize the benefit of it till later on when I came back to the Lord and began to serve God. I saw the wisdom in my mom and dad in bringing their family to the house of the Lord even when their family didn't want to go. Amen. Amen. There's something about being in the house of God that causes your spiritual nature to be nourished. Even, even, even you know, you think, well, during the worship, during the praise, uh, you know, during, during when you give, when you, when you sit in the Word, if you're being ministered. No, just the fellowship you have with the saints coming in and going out as iron sharpeneth iron. Amen. How do we get off on that? That's good anyway. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Did you find it? If you hadn't found it by now, look on with your neighbor. Now the Apostle Paul speaking here, he says, In my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstrations of the Spirit and power. Everybody say Spirit and power. 
that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Everybody say the power of God. Now, we are looking or we're studying the mercy and the compassion of God. Now, one of the greatest, well, not one of the greatest, this is the greatest manifestation of the mercy of God that you participate in. Anybody know what it is? It is your salvation. Let me say that again. It is your salvation. We cannot take the new birth for granted. I don't care if you've been born again for 75 years. It does not matter. Something miraculous happened to you as a human being upon planet earth. The day you got born again, you went from death to light. You went from darkness to light. You got out of the human family and got into God's family. That is, a, that is a powerful phenomenon. Amen. It set a new compass in your spirit and heart. It should have put new desires on the inside of you. It should have rearranged your life to there are places that you used to go, you don't go anymore. Things that you used to do, you don't do anymore. People you used to hang with, you don't hang with anymore. Things you used to put in your body, you don't put in your body anymore because you have had a nature change. Those who are sinners are sinners by nature. That's why I don't get mad at people that sin. They're doing it by their nature. It's just their nature to do it. But when Christians are involved in it, it's not their nature. You're going against the grain of your nature. If you live in sin, if you walk in sin, if you're practicing sin, number one, the biggest problem with practicing sin as a Christian is there's no pleasure in it. When you were a sinner, there was pleasure in sin. But oh my goodness, once you got born again, once you got full of the things of God, to turn from God and to be involved in sin, there's no element of pleasure anymore because it's against your nature. Now think, think, think about just your natural nature. All of us are different. You know, some people like it hot, some people like it cold, some people like it dry, some people like it wet. Some people like it, you know, uh, like the winter, some the summer, some the spring, some the... Yeah, all of us are different with our natural nature, our human nature, so to speak. Now, think about things that go against the grain of your human nature. You know, things that kind of, you know, are the, are, the, are, the, are the fingernails on the chalkboard of your life. You know? It just goes against your nature, you know, when it's uh, 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 different foods. Recently, Leah has tried to get us to eat Brussels sprouts. <laughs> I, I, I commend her for her, for her effort. <laughs> but I'd rather eat a frog. <laughs> it just goes against my nature. It tastes like a, like a sweaty horse smells. I hope I didn't ruin you if you're a Brussels sprout fan. But when we first got married, I didn't involve myself in any kind of that because my nature was, well, was meat and potatoes, you know, a nice steak and a, and, a, and a baked potato with cheese, bacon bits, and, and, and butter, you know, and a, and a nice piece of chocolate pie and a big glass of iced tea. My nature has changed since then being married to Leah. She's a Cajun. They eat everything. They eat it all. I mean, you know, if it crawls, if it flies, if it grows, it doesn't matter. They knock it in the head, put it in the pot, and eat it. And so after we'd been buried about two weeks, she looked at me and said, you're going to change your diet. 
And I'm like, why? There's nothing wrong with my diet. So she began to, she started with the A's, you know, with the avocados and artichokes and then the B's, the broccolis and the, and the C's. And, and, you know, I just, and I, and I learned, you know, it wasn't easy. I made the crossing. I challenged my nature. And now there's some things I eat that I did not used to eat. Leo wishes I'd eat more, but I don't, you know. But it was against my nature. Uh, there are other things. I, I, I really, you know, it, it comes early fall and you're, it's been such a hot summer and you, you want to get cold. But then when it really gets cold, you don't want it to be that cold anymore. We took Breland snow skiing a couple, two or three years ago and we thought it might be something our family liked to do, you know. And, and Lee and I used to do it a lot. When we were in field ministry, we would plan meetings in Colorado, schedule meetings in Colorado, then stay over three or four days and go snow skiing. And, uh, you know, when we were up there uh, with Breland, Breland's a hoot, too, because she, you know, she, you don't have to wonder what she's thinking. And so first thing that happened was we couldn't breathe. <laughs> Remember that? So they had these cans of oxygen that you buy. <laughs> she's laughing. She thought we were crazy. They had these cans of oxygen you could buy, and you go around <laughs> spraying this, spraying this. <laughs> I don't know if it worked or not, but, it, I, it, you know, it could have been a placebo. I don't know. But it helped me. So, you know, we, we skied, and Breland took skiing lessons, and, and we had a good time. And so the next year we said, Breland, you want to go snow skiing? No. Nope. No, I don't want to go. It's not in her nature. She doesn't like cold and snow and all that kind of stuff. But the, the issue with this is, is you do not know your spiritual nature till you discover it. People, people, some people look at other people. They, they hear things like, oh, man, I wish I could be in church every night. I do. I wish I was in a meeting every night. If I could be in a, in a prayer meeting all day long, uh, be, in a, be in a Bible study in the morning, a prayer meeting the rest of the day, and a Holy Ghost meeting, I'd do it every night, night after night after night after night, night after night after night. No vacations, no rest, no hunting season, no fishing, none of that, just, just in the presence of God. You say, you would really do that? Yes, it's my nature. It's my nature. I live like that for 18 years, either traveling to a meeting, in a meeting, or going to another meeting. And sure, I took breaks and we went on vacations and I did some hunting and some fishing and did that. But I'm telling you, pastoring slowed me way down. So what did I do? I just got closer and closer to the Lord. You say, why? Because it's in your nature if you'll learn to pursue what's in your nature. Amen. Amen. Now, notice what it says here again. Let's look and then we'll go to another scripture. It says that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. As you follow the new nature that God has put up, uh, up in you through the new birth, you're going to discover more and more the power of God because it takes some power to serve God in 2018. Amen. And that's another reason I don't criticize Christians, and I see Christians all the time. And they'll come for a little while, and then they'll back out for a little while, and then they'll come for a little while, and they'll back out for a little while. And the real issue in their life is really not consecration, it's power. Because you have to have some power to have a consecration. Without any power, you can't consecrate to anything. Amen? Amen? I mean, they're getting ready to play, uh, uh, to play baseball. They're practicing right now. The, I think the Astros are down somewhere in Florida. Now, what they're doing is they're honing their skills. Well, they won, you know, think, well, man, they, they won the, the, what do you call it, the, the World Series last year. Hold up the trophy. Why, they don't need to practice. They just need to start playing. No, no, they've been off for a while. Because, see, their nature, their natural nature is to play that game. But they can't just step off of 
a time of apathy and complacency and step into that game on the level they were at when they won that pennant. Come on, church. So they've got to go back into a time of consecrated consecration in practicing the pitcher's pitching, the hitter's hitting, the fielder's fielding, and get their nature honed back to the place where they can play the game again. It's like that in every sport. It's like that in every endeavor. But when it comes to Christianity, you have to understand something. There is a deposit of power in you. Let me say that again. There is a deposit of power in you. You don't know how much power is in you until you begin to pursue your nature. You know, I heard a story. Uh, uh, it happened somewhere around here about five or six years ago. The, uh, a guy was working, had his car jacked up. And was working on his car, and a car fell off the jacks on top of him. And, and it, it was kind of wedged in such a way, but he couldn't get out, and he was out there screaming. And his little old wife, weighed about 100 pounds, went out there and lifted that car up off of him, and he squirmed out of there. Now, later on, in the article that I read about that, later on, she tried to lift it and couldn't budge it. But she tapped into something on the inside of her in a crisis that got her through the crisis and averted something that could have been tragic. The problem is, that's the way many Christians are. They wait till the car falls off the jacks. Amen. Now, thank God for the power, but many times it has to come from an outside source. And if you're not willing to submit yourself to that and then walk in the light thereof, then you can get the car off of you. But the problem is, it's going to get right back on you as soon as that which you depended on ministering the power to you walks off or is out of your life. Amen? So our faith is in what? Our faith is not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, go to John real quick. The Gospel of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke. John, everybody say, thank God I'm born again. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, it says in the book of Titus, but by His mercy He has saved us. So the greatest act of God's mercy that your faith will ever tap into is the new birth. Being born again. Everybody say, born again. Now, there in John, let me get over here real quick. John chapter 3, familiar story. Woman at the well. Everybody say, woman at the well. It says here, instead of reading the whole story, because I need to bring a couple of points out here. Uh, instead of reading the whole story, Jesus and the disciples ended up in Samaria. They sat down by a well. The, the disciples went off to get some meat for, for lunch or whatever they wanted to eat. And, and Jesus sat down by a well. Now, now a woman came out to probably uh, get some water for herself or to water some stock. And, 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 and Jesus asked her for a drink. He said, give me the drink. That's there in verse 7. Uh, verse, uh, let's see, verse 9 says, Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So all of a sudden there's something abstract in this scene. A Jewish man is asking a Samaritan woman for a drink of water, which that should not happen in that day. You know, we, we've, uh, one of the sad tragedies of our nation, if we, uh, we have experienced some prejudice in years gone by. Thank God the move of God is removing that prejudice out of the body of Christ. Can I get a better amen? I can't speak for all churches, but I can speak for Island Church. But we really don't understand the level of religious prejudice that was around during those days. I'm telling you, the Samaritans and the Jews had no dealings. 
the Jews felt like the Samaritans were half-breeds and wanted nothing to do with them and treated them very badly, very, very badly. Now, in the light of that, here's this scene where Jesus, an obvious, not just a Jew, but a rabbi, a teacher, is sitting down by the well, and a woman from Samaria walks by who he should in all rights have turned his head and looked the other way. But instead, he asked her for a drink. Jesus was initiating something. Oh, somebody should have got real happy. You say, what do you mean? Jesus is always trying to initiate something with you. It may be in a church service. It may be in your own personal prayer time. It may be when you're studying the Word. But Jesus is always trying to initiate and trying to draw you a little further into His revelation, into His presence, and into His power. Because Jesus is the object of your faith. He's not the result of your faith. He's the object of your faith. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. Say you're believing God for a new truck. That's what I'm believing God for right now. I'm believing God for a new truck. So I went out and ordered one. By faith. Amen. And I've got a certain amount of money that I'm believing God for. But when I drive up in that new truck, that new truck is not the object, the material object of my faith. It is the result of the faith that I have operated in. My prayer of petition, my giving toward that, and my receiving to get what I need and wanted. Are you with me? But the object of that is who? Jesus. So who gets glorified? He does. So when somebody asks me, where'd you get that nice truck? I got something to tell them. I said, I got something to tell them. You see what I'm saying? And God wants you to understand that through the new birth, Jesus initiated something. I've heard people say, I was searching for God. I was, I was in the drug world searching for God. No, you weren't. You were searching for something to get you high. God is searching for all men. Let me say that again. God is searching for all men. You just responded to His searching one day. Amen. Now, that's what He's doing here. He's trying to initiate something. Give me a drink. Then she began to pour out the prejudice of the day and the hour. Jesus answered and said unto her, Knowest that, uh, If thou knewest the gift of God, Everybody say the gift. Well, that's a whole nother, uh, it's hard not to go that direction. And who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked him, and he would have given thee living water. Everybody say living water. The woman saith unto him, sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well, everybody say the well. The well is deep, from whence then hast thou that living water. Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? This is, this is not changed in 2,000 years. Immediately, when Jesus began to bring her to a spiritual level, she got religious. Just like when you try to witness to your neighbor and you get them to the point where you say, Are you born again? And they say, I'm a Baptist. Or I go to church. Or grandma's a Methodist. It's amazing how people in the natural respond to the initiations of the Spirit, Jesus Christ, and the Word of God. The only way their fallen nature knows how to respond is through religion. It never works. I said it never works. But thank God for Jesus. Thank God for the Word of God. Thank God for His mercy and his compassion. This is, a, this is a picture of his mercy and compassion in bringing people to the well. Everybody say the well. Jesus answered and said, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, speaking of the well, Jacob's well. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give, 
that I shall give that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I give shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Now he's showing us a true picture of salvation through redemption. Not salvation through works, not the salvation through religion, not salvation through geographical location. You say, what do you mean by that? A lot of people think they're saved just because they live in America. Really? Isn't it a Christian nation? Well, no, that, that, that has no relevance whatsoever. Jesus said, he's the one that said it, you must be born again. Everybody say born again. Now, he likens the new birth to what? A well that shall be where? In you. This is where God begins his relationship with you. He begins it in you. Amen. Now, let me say that again. This is where God begins His relationship. Everybody say relationship. Now, I don't have time to do it, but let me just, I'm going to go there and we'll probably pick this back up next week. There are four principles or points to interaction, personal interaction, one with another, whether it be people, whether it be God with people or people with God. There are four different points pillars, whatever you want to call them. And the first is communication. Everybody say communication. Without communication, you don't know who sits next to you. You don't know who sits behind you. You don't know who your neighbor is. You don't know who you work with. Uh, you that are married, you never would have gotten married without communication. Amen? Now notice Jesus initiated something with what? Communication. Give me a drink. He started this with communication. Now, what his desire was, was to bring her into a place where he could interact with her. You say, now what is that called? That's called fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. Now, out of fellowship comes relationship. Out of relationship comes covenant. Everybody say covenant. Now, I know when you got born again, you got into a covenant. You did not get into a covenant that you cut. You got into a covenant that God cut with His Son, Jesus. By faith in Him, you got into that covenant. Amen. Amen. Now, there are things in that covenant that belong to you. Healing is yours. Prosperity is yours. Righteousness is yours. Joy is yours. Heaven is yours. Amen. I ought to get a better amen than that. Now, understanding that and realizing that, you must understand that there needs to be a continual, a continual progression of those four things in your life. You need to allow God to continue to what? Communicate to you. If you ever cut off the communication of God, you're in trouble. Fellowship stops. That's why a lot of churches are called fellowships. And the first place you stop that communication is church. I've heard a lot of people say, you know, I really don't, Pastor Rusty, I really don't see why you, you harp on going to church so much because I really don't need it. I don't have the time. I don't have the inclination. When I get there, I can get there. But the problem with that is that is this. It's part of your fellowship. You're part of a body. It kind of be like your left hand saying, you know, I really dig being on your wrist. I, I really like that. It's really cool. But I really got, I don't have time for a lot of the things you do, a lot of things you say. I'm busy with my own things. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to disconnect from you, and I'm going to go over here and sit over here and do my own thing for a while. And you'll think, that's, that's the most absurd thing I've ever heard in my life. But that's what people do when they disconnect from the body. Because God fellowships within his body. 
He fellowships. It's not so much the fellowship we have one with another. That's an important point. I'll get to that in a little bit. But it is His fellowship with you. When you worship God and you sense that presence and that anointing of God, when you hear the Word taught, when you have opportunity to give, when you're ministered to or when you minister to someone else, it's all part of the body working within itself, and it's part of that fellowship which ensures the relationship. Amen. Amen. And if we can allow communication to come to us and challenge us and fellowship within the reality of that, then the relationship produces the covenant that Jesus Christ died for. It ain't hard to get healed. It ain't hard to prosper. It ain't hard to receive the things of God when you're in constant fellowship with Him. Amen? Amen? The other day, I think it was was yesterday, Tuesday, Tuesday. I ended up at the end of the day thinking to myself, I've either been praying, listening to teaching, worshiping God. I think there was maybe a few moments I was doing something the whole day and did it unconsciously. I had to spend a couple hours driving, spent that whole time praying in the Spirit, listening to teaching. Look, Tuesday's Lee and I's prayer time. We got up and prayed. I guess it was over an hour. We spent uh, praying and worshiping God. Uh, I did some other things. I just caught myself in the middle of worshiping God, praising God, quoting Scripture, uh, talking to myself about some different things in the Spirit. I mean, next thing you know, I'm going to bed, getting my Bible, fixing to read Scriptures because we read Scripture before we go to bed every night. And I thought to myself, the whole day long, I've been in fellowship with my Heavenly Father. Amen. Amen. That's why on Sunday mornings, one of the statements we make in giving an altar call is for those that have what? Broken fellowship with God. Because God does not break that relationship. He will not do it. Not because of you, but because of what His Son did to get you into that relationship. He will not break it. Salvation is not near as fragile as you think. But you can suffer under the results of no fellowship with God. And it causes that life and that power of that word in your spirit, man, to be suppressed. How many have ever been to service here? Whether I was speaking, someone else was speaking, maybe during a conference. We had a real good, strong, powerful move of God. And it inspired you to do something by faith. Anybody? Most everybody should be able to raise their hand to that. That's, that's one of the benefits. So we have benefits. Everybody say benefits. Now, Jesus likened it to what? A well. Now, I don't know about you. I, I've been, uh, both when I graduated from Bible school and when Alan graduated from Bible school, Dad took us to uh, Israel. I think I went in 85, when would you go, Alan? 87, 88, something like that. Anyway, he took us there. Now, this is what really amazed me about Israel. Israel is a very arid place and everywhere there's a well there's life and if you were to take me to Israel and said and say what would you rather have an oil well or a water well I'd rather have a water well amen Amen? because a water well will produce life you say well an oil well you can get some money but I'm telling you something there's a difference between money and life and everywhere we went to where there was one well and there was this beautiful kibbutz, which is kind of like, it's not like a commune, which you would think, you know, the hippies lived in. But it's a, it's, a, it's a community of Jewish people that are self-contained. 
They grow their own meat. They grow their own chickens. They have their own eggs. They grow their own food. And then they grow crops and sell those crops. And I'm telling you, that well provided irrigation and made that place where they were. We went in there and ate, ate lunch. It was absolutely off the charts. It was a paradise. Amen. And in thinking about that later, I thought that's exactly what your well should produce. Now listen, I wrote these down. I was meditating on this today. Number one, water wells. Everybody say water wells. It establishes a perimeter for life. That's why they're so important in arid regions. You go to a desert, they don't want an oil well. They want a water well. Because all an oil well is going to do is spew oil, and you can't grow crops with oil. You can't water cattle with oil. You can't raise a family with it. You can't do nothing with it. And if you do get rich on, with an oil well, first thing you're going to have to do is drill a water well. Amen? So it establishes a perimeter for life. Second, it brings value to the area where it's dug. You should have just got up, ran around the church three times. You say, why is that? What gives you value? What gives you value? It is the well of salvation that has been deposited in you through the revelation of Jesus as your Savior. He has put a what? A well of living water on the inside of you. We used to sing that song. What was that song? I've got a, no, that's, that's I've got a river of life. I'll get to a river later. Amen. It all has to do with water because water, sometimes water is a type of the Spirit, sometimes it's a type of the Word. Here's the type of the Spirit. Now notice this, it establishes community interaction. That means the well in you works better around the wells in other people. You say, what do you mean by that? I bring my well, you bring your well, you bring your well, your well, your well, your well, your well. You grab all these wells of life joined together as one in the body of Christ and we've got multiple vessels to draw life out of. That's why you need to keep your vessel pure. That's why you need to pray. That's why you need to be ready to, to, to flow in the Holy Ghost. Listen, listen, let me just help you. People always wonder why. I know, I know sometimes people wonder, you know, why, why aren't more people allowed to participate in spiritual things in church operation? I've got a word. I've got a prophecy. I have this. I have that. I believe I might have the gifts of the healing that want to flow out of my well, flow through me. I believe I, I can do that. I can. The reason is, is because the way the Spirit of God operates through the, through the well of salvation placed on the inside of us, there has to be certain elements in the well before God will activate. Number one, there has to be a purity. Man, I've seen people. I've seen people that, 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 that will take a simple prophecy and try to use it to make money. I'm not kidding you. I mean, I remember a lady bringing me a letter here that came to Island Church. This was back before Ike. But she uh, gave money to a certain ministry, and they sent her a prophecy with her name at the top. And all it was was a generic bless you letter. But at the bottom of it was this. The Lord has awakened me in the night with your name minister no more knew her name than he knew the man in the moon. 
All it was was a name on a check that came off of a check and was put on a piece of paper. That's all it was. And then I've heard some other, quote, prophecies given by that particular minister over the years, and none of them amounted to the hill, hill of beans. You say, why? Because the well was tainted. The well wasn't pure. Amen. I've seen other people flow powerfully in gifts of healing. That I mean, every time the Holy Ghost starts flowing, they want to take an offering. Well, there's nothing wrong with offerings. We take them every service. But there's a time, there's a place. And listen, there are some things that are sacred that come out of the well. The purity of the water that comes from the well determines the health of those that drink from it. There was a story, my time's up. There was a story back in the, what was that? lady's name. Dr. Lillian B. Yeoman was a medical doctor who got, got sick and addicted to pain medicine and, and was dying and believed God and got healed and delivered. Now, before she became a Christian, she was, uh, her, her medical practice was connected to the government. And up in the, the, the Washington area, Washington State area, up in the, uh, the mountains up there, they had a, a, a horrible uh, a cholera outbreak. And I'm telling you, it's about to wipe out this small city, I don't know, 10,000, 12,000 people. And so they sent her and a team there, the United States government sent her and a team there to begin to search what is the source of this. Because, you know, anytime, anytime there's a plague like this, there's got to be a source. So she took water samples. Their water came from a cistern up in the mountains. And so they took water, and it was teeming with that bacteria. So they dispatched a group of, uh, of men, and they went up there and, and, and pulled the top off of that cistern. That cistern gathered water by the melting snow and by the rains of the spring. And that's what they used for the water of that city. Well, somehow, the, the, the guard that was on that cistern had broken down, and, and a sow pig and nine piglets had fallen into that thing and drowned and tainted that water. Well, everybody that drank that water got sick. So they had to start doing what? They had to start cleaning up the well. And I'm telling you, when people begin to get their wells clean, we're going to see more body ministry than we've ever seen in our lives. We're going to see people with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, tongues and interpretation on levels we've never seen before because we got enough pure water flowing that people can be trusted with the move of God. Amen? Because when somebody gets up and says, Thus saith the Lord, we need to know this is the Lord speaking. We better not get off on that. One of my pet peeves, amen. But that's one of the reasons why I teach and preach the way I do. That's why I tell you, you need to be studying the Word. You need to be reading the Word of God. You need to be in prayer. You need to come to corporate prayer. You need to come to church. If you will do that, you can guarantee the purity of the water coming up out of your well because God put a pure deposit in you, and you're the only one that can muck it up. Amen. And, I, you know, there's just something about ugly water. Summertime, you know, I come up to the beach. I'm wanting, to, I'm wanting to eat me a nice, fat, speckled trout. And the first thing I look at is what's the water look like. And I look out there and I see that chocolate brown water. I just turn right around, go to the fish market, buy me some shrimp, you know. But when the water gets pretty, it's amazing how it teems with life. It's amazing. You know, I, I, we haven't had it in years. Uh, it's, it's been a long time, I think, Alan, and, and Ben probably can relate to this. Uh, seems like back in the 90s, a couple of summers, we got that blue water that came in. We, we get green water from time to time, but we had some blue water that actually made it to the rocks. And I'm telling you, you couldn't catch all the fish out of that water. 
And I remember fishing down here at the end of the end of the seawall, and, and, and there were some guys down there fishing, and the problem was the water got so clear and so clean that they couldn't catch anything on lures, nor could they catch it on the sea bobs. There were sea bobs everywhere. Remember that? You could throw a cast net and just catch buckets of them. Brown sea bobs. And those trout were just wading through those sea bobs with their mouths open. Just, just, and I had an idea. I had an idea. I thought, I'm going to go over here, here to Bill Ream. You just got a guy named Bill Ream. Had a bait camp over here on, on Jones Lake. And I'm going to buy me, I'm going to get me a pint of white shrimp. And I got me a pint of white shrimp because that was the only thing that wasn't out there. And I threw them out there. And, man, I'm telling you, every cast I caught a trout. But what was amazing was is that water was so teeming with life that I literally could stand in waist-deep water and watch schools of trout chase those sea bobs up to the beach and those sea bobs jump out on the sand and the birds start eating them. That's how clean the water was. You don't see that when the water's brown. There is activity that does not happen in dirty water. But that deposit of salvation is what? God's Spirit joined to your spirit, which there has been an impartation of the life of God. And anywhere there's the life of God is the power of God. And the Apostle Paul says, our faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And that power is in you. Everybody say, that power is in me. Say, that power is in me. So here's my, here's my closing. You can serve God. Let me, let me give you that to you again. You can serve God. You're going to have to draw on that which is on the inside of you. And that which is on the inside of you, you've got to work on keeping it pure, keeping it clean, by feeding it the Word, by praying, and be a part of what God's doing in the earth. And in so doing, the strength of God and the power of God will invigorate you. Amen? I'm 62 years old. I ran into a guy that I knew the other day that, that, that's two years younger than me, 60 years. And I thought, oh, my God. He's been living like a devil ever since we were teenagers, never took his foot off the accelerator, and he looks like he's 90 years old. I mean, he's just, you know. And I thought to myself, I don't look like that. I know I don't feel like that. I know I don't act like that. Why? I've got another source. I've got another nature. I've got the life of God in me. I've got a well in me, and it springs up with salvation to everlasting life. And when that's operating in you like that, you may pass years. Years may pass by, but you don't age. You still retain the strength of your youth. You still stand strong in the Lord and the power of His might. And you stay invigorated no matter what's going on around you, how long it's going on around you, or literally how much time it's taking for your dreams and desires to be fulfilled. Amen? I'm more expectant today. I'm more expectant today because of the well of salvation in me, of that which God is doing in our midst in, in, in regards to the building, in regards to world evangelism, in uh, regards of world uh, expansion of everything we're doing, everything we're touching from our youth to our children to Sunday school to one day having a Bible school to doing all that God has put in our hearts to do. I am more expectant of it today than I've ever been in my life. And sure, a lot has come to try to discourage, but it hadn't done it. You say, why? Because I've leaned 
leaned toward that new nature. I've leaned toward that which is in the well that has been put on the inside of me. That well of life, that living water that flows. I've cooperated and participated. I've let it communicate. I fellowship with it. I have a relationship with it. And because of that covenant manifest for me and for us. Amen. Now, if you like that, come back next week. We'll talk about the river. Because it's working for you two ways. You got a well in you, but when you got baptized in the Holy Ghost, Jesus threw you in a river as part of his mercy and compassion towards you because he loves you so much. Amen. Lift your hands up and worship the Lord. Father, we worship you tonight. Thank you for your mercy, your compassion, your grace, your goodness toward us. We thank you, Father, for each and every person discovering the untapped power, the untapped beauty, the untapped majesty of that which you've deposited on the inside of them. Lord, that well of salvation springing up into everlasting eternal life that abides on the inside, empowers on the outside. Let us always be aware of its presence in us. We thank you for it, Father. And each and every one of us tonight, give thanks from the depths of our heart for your mercy and compassion toward us. For these are things we could have never obtained for ourselves, never gotten for ourselves, but you have freely given them unto us so that we might walk in them and live in them. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Stand on your feet. Father, we bless your name tonight. Thank you for the rest of our work week. Thank you for your blessing of protection and safety. Lord, we thank you no evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh our dwelling place. In our travels, in our work, no matter where it may take place, out in the ocean, Lord, up in the medical uh, branch, up in the oil patch, wherever it is, whatever we do, thank you, Father, we're not subject to problems. We're not subject to trauma or terror. We're not subject to evil plans of wicked men or Satan himself. We thank you that you protect us with your almighty power. For we as your children walk upon serpents and scorpions over all power of the enemy and nothing, nothing, nothing shall by any means harm us. Lord, we thank you for that door of utterance. Let all of us be sensitive. Let us understand that that well is for sharing. That that well is for sharing. Let us be an answer to the prayers of so many hurting people. Let us be a problem to our adversary. Let us be a miracle in somebody's life. We thank you for it, Father. We leave tonight walking in faith and love towards you. We walk in love one toward another. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ. You've called us to be thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the Word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www islandchurchgalveston.com You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113 We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas And remember to keep looking unto Jesus He is the author and the finisher of our faith